Hey everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and today I am joined by Jennifer Yan. She is the founder at Seven Figure Shift, and she is based in San Francisco. She's been an entrepreneur for over three years. She helps B2B business owners to 10x their business in less time and with less money. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rob. And I'm happy to be presenting from sunny San Francisco, California, and looking forward to speaking to you and your audience. You know, don't bring up the fact that you're in sunny San Francisco, <laughs> just due to the fact that I am in dreary, cold, and snowy Pittsburgh. And we won't we won't dwell on that. But here, let's start this way. Tell me a little bit about how you got started on doing what you're doing and kind of your backstory as to how you got to where you are today. Of course. Um, so I mentioned I'm in San Francisco, California, which is the crux of the Silicon Valley tech companies. Um, so, you know, the Googles, uh, Facebook, um, Adobe. And, you know, when I wasn't creating my business before that, I was actually in software engineering. And so what software engineering taught me is that, you know, there's a good way to do things and there's an even better way to do what you want to do. And so I've always brought that those type of principles back into my business and figured out, you know, there's a good way to do this, but is there a better strategy to get to where we need to be in less time and money uh, using less resources? Okay. So it's... It's amazing to hear you say that because you said there's a good way to do things. And I was expecting the next thing for you to say is, and there's a bad way to do things. And you, you went the other direction to say, if there's good, there's got to be better. How did you develop that understanding? Because that's, that's not, that's not common sense. That's not the way that most people look at things. Oh, yes. It's all like went back to uh, my software engineering days. And so, uh, you know, sometimes like uh, we're given a problem and we're, we have to create a way to just make it work because we're just throwing the problem at first. And then um, oftentimes I would type in, type in lines of code and then um, I would run through the compiler, make sure it works. And I find out it does work. And then my instructor would come in and say like, can we do this using less time mm -hmm. and using less of the machine's resources? And so that's kind of like where it started and kind of like things that I've brought back into my business and make sure that um, my clients as well um, has like better ways to design systems for their business. Okay. It's again, I'm thinking back to the way that the way that software has developed. Okay. Um, I'm old enough that the very first hard drive that I had on the computer in my home was a five megabyte hard drive. And my dad was pretty sure that we would never fill it. It was just so huge. And, and um, and all of the saw everything that he needed to do was able to be, uh, was contained on there very handily, I might add. And now there's, there are no, well, very few software um, pieces that are written that are that small and that efficient. How do you, it seems to me like sometimes the code is just written without care for how big it is. And uh, it's just huge. Uh, is that, 
something that you were taught in particular, or is that someone that all is something that all software engineers are taught? It's something that's always like taught in software engineering. Um, so it's just definitely very tech and geeky, but um, you know, basically we there's you know someone writes a program on, on a software, and you know you're taught you know is this how much time does it take to run, and you know if it's like um, something that's like it works, but it's like takes a million years to happen. Like in real life, that would never happen. You know, you're let's say you create like a website, and it took like more than, um, let's say more than two and a half seconds. Research says um, your user won't even come to your website and look at it because everything's expected on demand now, and so they've um, over time. You know, users or um, clients just demand things on, you know, on demand. And when it's not given to that um, standard, then it's a lot more easier to like, you know, for them to just leave your service or leave your product and just say, I'll go with someone else. Interesting. You put a lot of emphasis on time. Is that part of what you do in your business? Uh, Absolutely. Um, So don't quote me on this because this is actually a quote from Mark Cuban. Um, you know, he's one of the big Shark Tank investors. And um, basically in his quote, uh, what he says is time is the most valuable asset that you don't own. And you may or may not realize it now, but how you choose to spend it will tell you a lot more about where your future will take you. And when you think about it, you know, time versus money is something that two assets that business owners always struggle with. They need both. But money, you can make more of it. And time is just like a ticking clock. So we're always giving this amount of time on earth and we're ticking down to it. So we could never get more. So, you know, I've always been fascinated with like, you know, Mark Cuban, he's like a billionaire like these major billionaires and millionaires, you might not think that we have anything in common with them. But the thing is, we have the same amount of time, 24 hours in a day. Mm. But how do they get to where they're at, given the same amount of time? And how could we kind of like start making progress towards like what they're achieving? Yeah. So you're, I mean, you're really, time is a fixed commodity and you can't, you can't manufacture more of it. You can't, um, you know, I think there was a movie a couple years ago in which everybody was allotted a certain amount of time and you could steal it from other people or trade it. But um, that's not reality. And um, so what, what I'm assuming then you're doing is trying to help people figure out how to maximize, the, uh, maximize their time for the most return on the investment of the time that they're putting in it. Is that, is that an accurate understanding? Absolutely. And, you know, part of that process is we start, um, we use our double T system, which is teams and technology to make sure we're creating the uh, system in which is 10 xing your business using less time and money. And so when we break that down, um, teams, so basically, as I mentioned, 24 hours in a day, we all have 24 hours. So 
you know, finding ways to outsource like, um, like small administrative tasks take up a lot of time. But, you know, some of the examples you could outsource is like, you know, you have bookkeeping duties that are really administrative, but they don't really help to like grow and scale your business. So bookkeepers, um, you know, basically finding ways to, um, you know, taxes, we could all do our own taxes, but thing is, it takes a lot of time and money. Um, so, and also, uh, you know, what I've been working on is the sales team. And so basically I only have 24 hours a day, but if I multiply it by 10, uh, 10 sales members, 24 times 10, all of a sudden I have 240 hours in a day. And so um, using that, um, you know, I've been able to kind of like maximize my time, but you know, some of your listeners might be sitting there listening and thinking that, oh, it's going to cost money to hire people to help me out. But you know, when I started as a business owner, like I didn't really have either time or money. So I thought about strategically, like what can I give them to help me out? And so with the sales team, um, normally you have a salary uh, employee. It's like maybe 50 to hundred K per year, but you know, I've worked on towards a commission sales um, type of model for my sales team members and some of them do prefer that type of model it's flexible schedule and you know they grow with the business so they get paid when you get paid so it's less of a financial risk than um you know having a full-on employee so you know if you could find like basically like commission sales members or what i've done is like gone to networking events and, you know, I help them out in one way and then they help me out by providing their services to me. So in a way, negotiating and bartering with services is mm-hmm. another way to bring down those costs for creating like teams of people to help you out. Okay. That, so it's, I've heard someone express the concept that um, so often we undervalue our own time. And so when you say, you know, you're doing, you can do your own taxes, but it's going to take you time to do that. And the time that you spend doing your taxes is time that you are not generating revenue. And so the question is, what, what revenue can you generate per hour? And can, does that revenue offset the cost of having someone else do the job? Does that make sense to you at all? Well, absolutely. It's all about profit margins when you're in a business. Uh, basically, like, you know, there's a lot of things that go into a business, but you know, you got to keep track of like how much expenses are coming in, how much expenses are, um, you know, expenses you have. And then also some of the hidden um, pitfalls of income is that, you know, let's say this is a plant and this is all the income coming in and your plant could hold a lot of income, but there's holes on the bottom. Mm. So, you know, holes could be like expenses but the biz- biggest expense that I don't, you know, people don't call it an expense is taxes. And so, you know, I think at some point, I do believe that everyone should pay their fair share. I know there's huge companies that are, are kind of like not at this point, but, um, you know, taxes, they do eat away at like 30 to 50%, um, depending on how your taxes are structured. Um, so basically, we 
um, actually at my company, we actually have like, you know, a whole team of like our power play team has a tax person on there that could look at, you know, what taxes are eating up 30 to 50%. That's a huge chunk, maybe even higher than any expenses you're paying normally for your business. So um, those are definitely things we should consider when looking into like how much money we're making versus how much money we're losing. Okay. I, let's talk about that. You're talking about your power play team and you've got a tax person on there. You've got salespeople on there. I, talk to me about how you assemble that team. Are, are they, are they all like virtual assistants? Are they part-time? Are they local people? How do you, how do you assemble that? And, and maybe we can talk about after that. How do you find them? If that makes any sense. So you can address oh, either one of those. Absolutely. I've actually got the pleasure of working with um, almost all of my um, people, my power play team. So I personally, like when I was opening my own business, um, so on the team right now was, um, you know, it's my business lawyer. So he actually helped me with like, you know, incorporating my business. So when you incorporate, um, there's kind of like two advantages. Uh, you kind of save on taxes. And also you reduce your liability because they can't go after your personal assets if it's structured correctly and you're using an LLC or corporation in the right way. And so I have a business planner, financial planner, um, and then some sales team members in the future. And the way I kind of found these people is actually through networking and business events. And, you know, I think the best way to actually like, you know, definitely get to know a person if they do really good quality services is just sit down and do business with them or sit down and have a session with them. And basically, um, you know, just that's basically how I created my power play team and they're mostly contractors. So they uh, get paid her service because let's say you know there's things that you need to do in your business but you're not doing all the time um for example like maybe you only need to do taxes like once a year or every quarter okay so in that situation a contractor makes might make more sense versus employee but i had to say that i'm in california and depending on the state you're in um there's different laws on, you know, what's considered employee versus contractor. And I know like a huge number of people I've heard of the Uber and Lyft situation right. and DoorDash, all these gig workers. Um, so if you're in one of those states, uh, definitely consult an employment lawyer to make sure that they are being classified the right way. Okay. Um, that was a concept I hadn't thought of. I was thinking more in on the lines of, you know, a virtual assistant or um, who is working for an hourly rate or a, you know, salesperson who's working on a commission basis, but you're also then talking about contract work where it's for a certain period of time and to accomplish a certain goal. And I'm assuming that that's, you're able to do that with more than just your tax person or more than just your business attorney, um, that there are other projects that you have where you don't have to have somebody on staff for it. You need somebody just to, to complete it. it uh, can you talk a little bit about that? And like, are you, 
are those folks that you're finding on at networking events or are those folks you're finding on like Upwork or, you know, some of those gig related, um, you know, websites that are out there? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I totally forgot. Like virtual assistants is another example of like an hourly contractor. And so, you know, like I've like, you know, I asked for, you know, there's several sources in which I find these people like. I have looked into Upwork and, you know, one of the things that, you know, some of the major companies are using um, Upwork as a way to source individuals. Uh, some people just look at Upwork or Fiverr and just think that, oh, you know, they're $5. And in a way, the price does indicate, like in the mind of a consumer, it might indicate quality. So $5 could be the most amazing person in the world. But that price point that's attached to, you know, what they're charging could like put in their mind that, you know, maybe it's low quality. But the great thing about these websites is that they already provide testimonials versus someone that just comes to you and says, um, hi, I'm like Joe Blow. Um, and I'm the greatest like um, tax person in the world. Um, I, I don't have any testimonials associated with you. So, you know, with these websites, maybe you could test a few out because they're, um, you know, at a price point that's reasonable and it has testimonials. You could also ask for a portfolio as well to judge whether or not they give quality work. And then the last thing you do is just work with them and you can see how do they communicate? Um, how, what's the quality of the work and judge from then um, if you find a decent person and acquire them at a good price point, you're able to bring down your expenses and also maximize what you could do in your business and 10 extra profits, 10 extra growth and find ways to, like I mentioned, like we both mentioned, maximize that profit margin. So you get the most profits possible. Okay. We had talked, we've talked a little bit about the team concept and about, you know, sharing responsibility that way. But a while back you had mentioned that it's not just having a team. It's also automating things. Can you talk about automation in your business and what exactly are the, the type of things that you can automate to help free up some time for you? Oh, exactly. Um, so our company does the double T process. So the first T being teams, like we mentioned before. So that requires people to kind of like, um, to kind of automate your service your services and then the second thing we uh that i'm going to touch on is technology okay so with technology uh we're looking at different uh pieces of software that could kind of like you know do things while you're sleeping uh do things 24 7 for you or do things faster and more efficient so um you know what i'd like to do with all like um clients coming in or all entrepreneurs um that come to me is um, just sit down and I ask them, like, what are you doing in your business? How are you consuming 24 hours in your day or 12 hours a day to run your business? And I write, have them write down everything that they're working on. And then we basically dissect, um, can we outsource this to a team or technology? So, for example, um, some of the common things entrepreneurs do is, you know, sending out emails. And so, you know, there's basically um, email marketing, something that you could totally automate in your business. So let's say there's prospects that, you know, let's say they didn't buy the first time around, but you want to be top of mind with them. 
So there's like, you know, CRMs. Um, I'm not sure, like customer relationship management software. Right. So like, you know, there's, um, there's, there's MailChimp. Um, there's, I know there's a whole bunch of them. Um, there's HubSpot and a number of different services. Yeah. And so with these software, the great thing is that you could go in and just segment out your audience. And so you go in and just pick like, you know, this is someone that's bought before. So, you know, maybe I should send them to another service or product or, you know, this segment has never seen or heard about me before. Um, or they've like heard very little from me. So maybe I need to warm them up first before I actually send them any services or products. And then you could basically send them emails automatically. So you batch a whole bunch of emails and then send them at different in- intervals. And so um, that's one example of like automating things in your business. And you know, the second thing we do in our company, we automate our marketing. So you know, we work with B2B business owners and LinkedIn is a huge um, platform, 700 plus million users on LinkedIn. And if you're trying to get like, you know, potential clients, um, reach strategic business partners, uh, reach investors, um, media opportunities, like 700 million users on LinkedIn, there's someone that you, you can talk to on there. Sure. So we automate that process on LinkedIn. And what we do is through our software that's complementary to our coaching service, um, we kind of go in and seven days a week, they're reaching out to people and we're developing the scripts on how do we actually find these people and develop the right marketing copy that speaks to them. And then at the end, we hope to like, you know, kind of work on getting them on an intro call and um, learning more about their business. Okay. Is, are you doing that through like, messaging or I, I, how is how is the outreach done for LinkedIn? Oh, yeah. So um, with Connected is our software and kind of like it's a really easy process. Like the first time I've used it, like I didn't really need that much training. So the way it works is basically uh, we work on organic messaging. So not really like LinkedIn ads or anything like that. We finally, we basically look at, you know, who's your target audience? And then uh, we make sure we get 1,000 results on LinkedIn because that's all you'll see. And then once we get that LinkedIn URL of your prospects, we plug it into the system. And then we develop three or four messaging sequences. So basically when they connect with you, um, they'll send message one and you tell them when to send. Okay. And as soon as they respond back, the messaging stops. So that's how you stop sounding like a robot. Um, at the very end, you kind of personalize what you want to say. And so they kind of like, I've messaged some people automatically and they had no idea that there's a robot behind that. But it's like seven days a week. Um, I went through surgery recently and removed my wisdom teeth. And during that whole month, it was reaching out for like prospects for me. So they're all lined up once I recovered. So okay. that's one great thing about software. Yeah. I, software doesn't get tired and it doesn't, uh, it, it's, you start it and it becomes automatic and you don't have to worry about that. And it's reproducible. It's always doing the same thing over and over again. Um, I want to, I want to go back and talk a little bit about something you talked about how 
sometimes in your networking and sometimes especially when you're first starting and you don't have a whole lot of money to to invest you're bartering with people and i that's always been something i've been afraid of okay to just like what do i have that can be of value to you can you share any strategies or something that you have there because that's it sounds great and it's something i would love to do but i'm just it's outside of my comfort zone absolutely i think like fear of failure is like the number one thing that i've heard like countless entrepreneurs talking about because if you ask the reverse question what would you do if you knew you can't fail they'll come up with a huge list of things that they would absolutely do if they knew they couldn't fail so you know what i you know come back to is like um i've like take the like take this like course a thousand times but like time so basically you know i just think about like there's a certain amount of time that we all have we, we will reach the end of it one day and so that's always my kicker and you know you know one thing that i always hear is like don't be attached to the outcome because there will always be more opportunities and that's a fact you know that's not something that you know i like made up there will always be more opportunities and also um don't be afraid to like just ask for the opportunity um you know to get to the yes you know um depending on your targeting i would say if you have really good targeting you get a whole lot of yeses but um with every no what you'll get is a whole bunch of data and you do need that data in order to improve and get better let's say you're doing sales or marketing and without that data there's no way to like get to succeeding or get past um get to where you want to be without jumping out of the comfort zone okay and so you know sometimes like i have exercises with my um with my clients and you know i have them write down everything they want to achieve in their business in their life and then i have them on a separate uh, side of the paper i write down like what are things they need to um do to get there and it's a lot of things outside their comfort zone and so um you know some people are happy just being where they are in their life or their business but you know if they're happy that's great but if you really want to 10x your system um just um there's things that are always going to be comfortable but just do it anyways right. that's my main advice with um you know getting past that fear of failure because you know there's always going to be more opportunities and you know there time's not on your side it's like you know there is only a certain amount of time so do all you can in that time and just make sure it's the life that you do want to um or the business that you do want to build got it and in some ways you know growing pains are part of the process without without the pain there is no growth and um, as we, if we avoid pain, then we may actually be avoiding growth. Listen, Jen, you've been phenomenal. You shared a lot of, you know, challenging thoughts. If people are looking to find out more about you, connect with you, uh, what's the easiest way to do that? Like website, social media, where's the best place to go? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I think, um, I don't have my calendar linked memorized. Okay. Um, but well, I that- do have my LinkedIn Okay, I can put your calendar link down in the show notes so that people can find it. That's not a problem. Oh, absolutely. So um, through my calendar link, 
or through my LinkedIn, which is linkedin.com slash in slash Jennifer P. Yan. Um, you could definitely connect with me. And I'm offering a free 30-minute session right now to just kind of like identify what is your um, IGAs, your income-generating activities, and finding ways to can we outsource this to software or outsource this to a team at a cost that makes sense to your business. So that's absolutely free, this free um, intro session. And then I look forward to connecting with all types of entrepreneurs, especially during this time of COVID, uh, which like, you know, a number of like uh, businesses have like shut down and they're finding different ways to kind of like navigate this pandemic. So I'm more than happy to help anyone in your audience or anyone they might know to try to get through this pandemic and find ways to 10x their business. Fantastic. I will put that calendar link in there. I will also put the LinkedIn um, URL in there so that folks can connect with you and take advantage of that offer. I think it's very generous. Listen, Jen, thank you so much. Um, It is time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for this, my friend? Absolutely. Ready to go. All right. So who is your hero? Who's someone that you would say, this is a person I look up to and they're my hero? Um, I guess that is like Oprah, I guess, because I've never like heard anyone say anything bad about Oprah. And even they did, she always find gracious ways to do a comeback without, without necessarily insulting them. So she's very crafty and smart with her words. Got it. A, a very valid and noble hero. Although, you know, who am I to judge who someone else's hero is? Uh, what is your favorite game to play? And that can be either a sport, a family game, or uh, a game on your phone. Any game that you play uh, that you really enjoy, what would be your favorite? Um, I would say Monopoly, just because it's like, you know, like I'm an entrepreneur. So Monopoly, what I love to do is just buy up all the hotels and just like own the entire board and have everyone pay me taxes. Yeah. And so that's like a huge game that I really love to play as a kid. And it's also like I've seen definitely values in like, you know, this does correlate to real life as well. Sure. Okay. Um, just random question on that. Do you have a certain piece that is your piece? That you're like, if I'm going to play, this is who I'm going to be. I, I was, I was always the top hat. I think when we played in my house. I think I was always the dog because, like, I, yeah. I really like animals, and um, I think I really like the dog in the temple for some reason. Yeah, it, like they always spoke to me. <laughs> that works. All right, last question for you. Um, Christmas is coming up. Do you have a favorite Christmas food or a Christmas dessert or a Christmas cookie that, that this is the the Jen Yan thing for that she that you really like for Christmas? Oh God, it's so hard. To, I like <laughs> it's so hard to choose the dessert. I think um, I don't know if it's Christmasy, but like a tiramisu would be really great. Yeah, that... was a side of like. Um, whatever alcohol they put in there, like the sweet and the alcohol is just perfect combination. No worries. Hey, hey, you're in a judgment free zone. And if you have tiramisu at Christmas time, who am I to say that's not a Christmas food? Wonderful. Jen Yan, thank you so much for being with me. I appreciate you sharing. You are indeed a smart person to all of my listeners. Uh, thank you so much for being here. 
And I will remind you that if you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.